0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Learning As I Go. And we have got a special edition for you today because we are live from Boodles on King Street in Manchester. This place is incredible and it's fitting for today's guests because we've got a serious lineup. The first guest that we're bringing in is the amazing world champion, the PFL champion of the world, Brendan Locknane. He has just won a million pounds in a big tournament and he's brought back the belt to Manchester and today we're going to be talking about his journey. I've known him ever since he was a doorman, believe it or not, at my nights of Visa in Manchester all those years ago but I've watched his story. He has been relentless, constantly training and he's overcome so many setbacks to get to where he is now. This is going to be one hell of an episode. Make sure you tune in, sit back and listen to another life lesson with learning as I go. done it. We've got the world champion, the PFL world champion in the building, Brendan Lockney, straight from winning a million pounds in Vegas. Welcome to the studio, bro. How are you you, feeling? Buzzing. Great to see you again. I know. And by the way, this is um, a special one for me because I've known you for years and it all started back in the Visa days, which was my night, obviously at Revolution Wilms though. I remember turning up to visa, and I saw this, this young guy, literally looked about 17. Yeah, yeah, um, I was <laughs> That's why I looked
1: it. <laughs> he, was about,
0: he was about 17 and you were stood on the VIP yeah, yeah. and you were a doorman, you were in, in a doorman outfit. And I went to the front door, went, who's this kid on, on, the, on uh, the door? And then I think it was Adam Warfield went, mate, he's hard as nuts. And I went, what do you mean? He went, trust me, he, he holds his own. He's a great doorman. Uh, yeah. And I was like, what? And then obviously over the years, you were always a dormant at my nights at a mm. and house, but you've been, you were always fighting as well. So yeah. you're always, and this before I would say that UFC or MMA mm. was as probably commercial, as mainstream as it yeah. is now. I feel like you were one of the, the first to get
1: into it. Am I yeah. right in saying that? Yeah, no, hundred percent. So when you found me on the door, that's when I was just starting MMA. So it was the exact same time, pretty much. Um, and I met all Jimmy and Adam and all the guys that you know through MMA, so then, obviously, yeah, 17, but I looked 12. Let's have it right. I looked tiny, didn't I? You just put that blazer on it. You said, drown me. <laughs> and then, like, I just they said, why don't you just come on the door with us? But I was only 17 at the time. What, even old enough to be in the club? <laughs> imagine that. And then I was on there, and then you can imagine I was flat out fighting all the time because people were just like, what's he going to do? Why is he there? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I was getting experience in and out the cage. Sort
0: of yeah. thing. yeah. So do you feel like people like would test you? They did. did you? Adam um, told me that people used to call you out as a doorman and almost like test you um, because they actually the under understated how handy you actually were.
1: Well, of course, like you're off your head and you come <laughs> up to this club and I tell you you're not coming in. You look at me and think, yeah, all right, mate. I even had one guy. I'll give him his dues. Yeah, this guy. I was working with Rick on silks one night. And this guy, he come up and then Rick was like, you're not coming in. And he turned and looked at me, he's like, what's he going to do? And he was like, has your dad give you a job? Yeah, oh, I was literally like that for years. But then the three years ended and luckily, just as the three years were starting to end, I started to get, I got in the UFC then and things took off from there. Yeah, so talk to me about growing up um, as a young Manchester lad. Where were you from and where were you brought up? So I was born in Withington, so grew up around there, and we're all the same. We play football, we fight, don't we? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're in the playground, we're rumbling around with our mates, so it was a proper typical upbringing. There was nothing out of the ordinary. You know, I wasn't that rough kid in school that was looking to fight everybody. I literally wasn't. I was good at football, I was athletically gifted, I was really good at long jump and other things like that. I was, like, pretty standout in, like, athletics, so then it was kind of at the point where, you know, I wasn't good enough to make it in football, and then MMA came along My next-door neighbour was doing it at the time. He kind of bundled me in the car, took me to the gym. And then the rest is history.
0: Mm, It really is. How did you fall in love with a sport where you get your head smashed in pretty much every time you get in a ring? It's brutal. Like, what made you
1: love fighting or MMA? Mate, if I could give you that answer, I'd give it to you. There isn't. It's just something that's deep inside me. It really is. Like, even from the first day that I went there, threw my first punch, and I was like, I enjoyed it. And then I thought, well you know, there wasn't anywhere to go. It wasn't even a sport. Like it was just like cage fighting in like sports halls with people smoking and blowing it in the cage. Like I've watched it transcend from that into a mainstream sport that competes with football, basketball, all that, baseball in the States. So I've watched it come 25 years. It's only been 25 years old, this sport. And it's the fastest growing sport in the world. It still is now. And to watch it go from being frowned upon, telling people you're a cage fighter, like what? To like, what, you're a cage fighter? (laughs) Like that's literally what I've so seen the happen. transition. Mad, yeah. So, but in terms, of, like the one thing I love about you Ben is that,
0: listen, you're an hard guy. You've always been handy, but you're a lovely guy as well. It's not like you're an ag- overly aggressive guy who just went out looking for fights. It seems like you've kind of found a sport where you've channeled. In fact, it's not even channeled. I think it's weird because it's not like you're an aggressive guy mm. who needs to go and channel that energy into a sport. Yeah, it's almost
1: like you've got a gift or, or a talent for it and you've made the most of it. Does it feel That's that That's pretty much exactly, you hit the nail on the head. Like I sit and talk to people, you know me so it's different, but people I meet in America and all over the world now, Dubai, they sit and talk to me and they're like, how the fuck do you flip the switch to be that guy? Yes. Yeah, like, what do you do? And I'm like, I don't. You'll see me 10 minutes before a fight. I'll talk to you like this. Like I look at it as a competition, like a football match. It's the same thing in my head, even though it's a fight and it's brutal in my head. The ones that don't do well are the ones that do get emotionally attached, get themselves riled up. And then they come in with all types of aggression. Whereas me, I just keep myself on a level playing field. I like to, I'm a very thinking fighter. I like to assess the situation, use different techniques. So that's why I've been so successful because I don't let my ego and I don't let emotions take charge of the fight, if that makes sense. Mm, that's interesting. So you've always treated it as, as a professional sport. Yeah. <laughs> when other people didn't really look at it like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where people go wrong. And then that the people that I fought in particular, I do rev them up a bit before it. And, we, and then they, they do come in overly aggressive. Mm. Even the last guy, he was screaming a bit while he was fighting. and mm. like, ah, everything's aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. But I really don't treat it like that. I treat it like sports, I treat it like martial arts. And I, I really do use the technique that I've learned over the years. I pull them out the bag throughout the fight rather than treat it as Fighting outside in the street. Mm. So, as a kid, I'm guessing obviously you weren't always
0: like a big lad or anything else. Did you feel like you had something to prove as well when you went into these, into your first kind of training? And the, is it the cage you're talking about? Yeah, yeah.
1: About? No, so I started at a gym local to me and it was full of absolute, you know, the local hard nuts. Yeah, yeah. And like I just got put in with them lot and they're all big men. You know what I mean? They must be going on 40, 45 now, Danny Ram and all the boys. So, for them, I just got through with a load of men and I was just a young kid. So yeah, 17, 16 was my first fight. So it's like, started training at 50. I was only there a year and then I was fighting. So I was only training with big men. So that naturally gave me more strength. And because there was no real structure, we were all kind of figuring out this sport. It wasn't a sport. So mm. we're all kind of figuring out how to train. I had no idea about nutrition or making weight or this is stuff that I've learned over the 15 years that I've been doing it. Wow. And it's like... Even I'm still evolving every day and learning new stuff and martial arts is never ending. Like you can never learn it all. And that's what I think I like about it. It can't be completed. So it's a never ending journey. Yeah, but where does that drive come from? Cause like
0: you talked about the period of time you've been training out. I mean like 15 years and I've been watching you from afar sometimes. Obviously I saw you in the Dorman era and had contact with you then, but even then you were still training. I could see you on Facebook and stuff mm. like that. And over the years, I've just seen you be so relentless in your training and sometimes You weren't always getting the recognition that you deserved. Mm. Obviously, now everyone's on your case. Everyone's talking about you. You've Mm. just won a million quid in a massive tournament. But what drove you to stay consistent? What was it about the sport? Is this the
1: defining moment for you? Was this where you wanted to get to? What what was the driving factor? That's a great question. And that's something I have to delve into every day because if I could answer that as well, I would love to. But I thought this was the goal and I thought having loads of money was the goal and all that. But it's clearly not because I'm still doing it. So like all these years I've had loads and loads of knockbacks and I just have a relentless drive and passion for this mad crazy sport that I really can't put my finger on why and how it came about. But I get up every single day and I train my ass off and I love it. Like even now at 33, it feels the same as when I did at 15. I couldn't tell you why. Like I've just come from the gym now and like it gives me a different type of energy and buzz. You know yourself. You finish a good training session. What's that feeling like when you leave the gym and you put your bag over your back and you walk out? That's kind of what I've been addicted to. It's not the fighting and the competition. It's more like the general lifestyle of just being healthy and happy. And when I didn't, when I won this, I literally told myself, right, I'm a world champion now. I'm 33. Got a load of dough in the bank. I'm happy. But after one or two weeks, I wasn't. I was looking for my next goal. And that's kind of where I'm at. Now I'm still at. I've just had another fight. Smashed it. Now I'm on the next goal. But it's like, it really is never-ending for me. And it has to end some point, obviously. But as long as i still got this drive and hunger to succeed in this sport, then why not? I think you just answered the question then, though. You said
0: it's to be healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. And this allows you to be that person. I had um, a guest on, uh, Charlie Edwards, who was a world champion boxer. Oh, yeah, I was with Charlie. A- and he, uh, he talked about the same thing. He said he won the world title. Okay. He had his belt in his house. And he went, he looked at it. And he was sat after the big fanfare a couple of weeks. And he was sat in, in his apartment on his own. And he looked up at it and went, This is shit. What's this all for? Why have I done all this? Like, and he realised it wasn't the destination that was Mm. the the goal for him. It was the journey. And And I wish. But what I mean with you though is like you are you are a local lad who's not come from much. Let's face it. And literally, you now achieved success on another level, financial like Mm. success as well. It's not been a a gradual thing. I know you made money over the years and stuff, but this has been a big jump from like that to that. Like, how do you feel like? your mindset's changed now, do
1: you feel more secure now, more confident in yourself or? Yeah, no, definitely like, I've always made money over the years, but to have a million dollars wide to your account overnight, that's like everybody's dream, right? Like, What would you do? Remember in primary school, you used to say to me, yeah. what, what would you do for a million dollars? Like literally, they did that. They just went, give me bank details. And I just looked at my online banking and I thought, fucking hell, just put a million, but- That is, mate, no, that is just, it's true though, when you're in school, you go, what
0: would you do listen, you got a million quid?
1: To how mad I'm making it sound is actually what happened. Send me your bank details and then they put a mill in it. And then you're like, right, okay, what now? And then you're like, (laughs) tapping your feet for a bit. You do a few things and then you just realize, like, you thought it was going to make you happy. Like, I'm going to be dead happy when I get this. Yeah, it's sort of loads of stress off me. Me, and my family, but it's no way fulfilled where I want to go. It hasn't, it's not even close. Probably 10%. like, When people say to me, what means more, that or the money? I'm like, they're both 50-50 in my eyes because the money's great, but you can't take it with you. Mm -hmm. Legacy, though, will last forever. Mm -hmm. And I want, when this is all said and done, when the word MMA or the words MMA is mentioned in Manchester, I want my name to pop up. I'm on legacy now. I'm past that now. Now I just want the legacy value. So that last fight I just had two weeks ago, that was the biggest name I fought by far. And it was my best performance by far because I feel like the stress is off now. I feel like I've got what I wanted out of it. Anything now is a bonus in my head. Yeah, so the stress is gone.
0: That's a good point. Because I, I got to a moment where I was like, and even now, right, I'm actually pretty content with my life. Yeah, I, I'm financially secure. And I'm not really, I don't really live a flash life. I think you're a little bit like that. Obviously, mm. you're going to Vegas and everything now yeah. and, because it's part of your job. Yeah. But in actual fact, I don't need loads of money to make mm. me happy. Like... I'm quite content. After today, I'll go home and spend all weekend with my dog and just chill and go and pick up a cookie from Wilms mm. or something. You know what I mean? Like, so I asked myself, why am I chasing millions all the time? Like, I think chasing millions and stuff is, it's not necessarily what you should be chasing. It should be a byproduct of doing something that you love. Love that. And, and the fact that you've achieved what you want, the fact that you've achieved financial success by doing what you love, surely is the ultimate goal.
1: No, Joe, you know what I'm happy about? I'm happy that the world finally recognizes my skills. Because for years I was just fighting local and I knew how good I was because I went training with world champions and I thought, I can be like these. Do you know what I mean? And then I finally, I got an opportunity to show it. And when I did, I just blew the doors off and really showed myself. And now everybody's like, yeah, he's top 10 in the world. Like, Imagine like as a grown man, everyone's about my weight. So imagine being a top 10 fighter in the world. Like you are, you're in the elite of the elite. I'm the only person from Manchester to ever do it. They never made. You know what I mean, Madison Square Garden. The first British champion, yeah.
0: Right? Not
1: in 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 Manchester on the first one. Right. Leon Edwards, he's and right. Michael Bisping three of us in the history of this country. Wow. Yeah. So it's like a very smart. And there's only five that I've ever fought for a belt. Oh, here's a question
0: though. It sounds like validation. It's something yeah, yeah. that you're looking for as well. That's something that I'm looking for. Definitely. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm more motivated by recognition than mm. I am by money. Yeah. And I don't know if that comes back to me wanting to prove myself because obviously my brothers were both soap stars for years. You you remember that. like I was Scott Thomas, the party party boy, the crazy one, but I wasn't famous and Mm. I didn't have followers and everything else. So I don't know if sometimes I'm chasing validation and it sounds with you, was there an element of wanting to prove yourself? And that's why I'm trying to go back to me. It's weird, right? Because I'm trying to get a bit like therapeutic on you and right I'm trying to be a bit of a therapist like because I'm trying to get to the bones of you Yeah, 100. going do you think there was anything in your childhood
1: that made you feel like you had to prove yourself I wouldn't say childhood what I would say is the knockbacks that I had over the career that I've had they've been massive like I flew to Dublin fought this guy that nobody thought I had a chance beat him comfortably and then the judges give it him yeah it was one of them on channel five mm-hmm. and like Got You've heard not about like, this. There's been
0: some like really horrible. Really calls. bad ones. Yeah. Like
1: really bad, like where everyone's like, he's not gonna come back from this. And mm. I had I had three in a row. Well, not in a row, like three, four years apart, where I've won fights, beat the guys up and then they'd give it to the other guy. And I've been like, fucking hell. So everyone's like was really happy for me because they're like, wow, he just didn't stop. He just persevered and persevered <laughs> and bit, persevered. Yeah. And like, although it took me as long as it did, I just didn't stop.
0: Do you know what, Brendan? I've just got tingled, you know. When I heard you
1: won, I was in my car. And I started screaming on my
0: yeah. own. That I was like, honestly, I was like, I was so happy for you because I was like, the guy didn't stop. Yeah, yeah. he didn't quit, and I was yeah. just—I like, remember going, yes, like that in my car for you because you—you you gave me hope and everybody hope that no matter what, if you are relentless yeah. and you don't give up, you can achieve great things. And I ju- I'm just fascinated. By what was that, that driving force but again I think it just comes down to the fact that you just love your craft
1: yeah no love my craft and not only that so can you imagine right so for the final I fought this guy called Bubba Jenkins, who's a really big name in the US like one of the best wrestlers out there he's a really good fighter and like we had to do a sit down like this three days before the fight they put the belt there one of you's just going to get a million dollars the other gets 50 grand can you imagine the difference yeah Fresh so we're looking at each other yeah and then I said to him are you willing to die for this and he was looking at me like, I said, I'm willing to die for that. Like, I know you're not. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to take you into deep waters and I'm going to drown you because there's no way you're beating me. There's no way. And he's looking at me, yeah, well, I've got kids and all that. I, you know, I, I said, I don't care, mate. Do you know what I've been on to get this? There's no way I'm quitting and all that. And he's looking at me and and that's exactly what happened. The fight got dead hard. He started fading and I just knocked him out in the end, but... Like, I told him exactly what I was going to do to him because there was no way anyone was beating me. Do you know what I mean? That was my what? mindset. I
0: literally watched a podcast of you before the fight and you were sat on, the, on this podcast. I think it was in some studio in America and you were talking as if you'd already won. You were so adamant. In fact, there was no alternative to you winning. And wasn't. I was like, and I believed you. I was like, I believe this guy. That The level of self-belief that you had before that fight.
1: Like, did you not feel pressure? I thought I was going to feel a load of pressure. Like I always used to think in my head, like the night before a world title fight, how do people sleep? Because the next day you're either going to be a millionaire or you're just going to be average. So like, yeah, mate, I'm going to bed now. And it was the easiest sleep of my life. Woke up in the morning, I'm walking over, it's at Madison Square Garden, don't forget, it's at the most famous arena on earth, this fight. I'm walking over to the arena and I thought, Fucking hell, the nerves are going to kick in soon. Didn't kick in. I'm warming up. Didn't kick in. And I was so relaxed in the fight. I started talking to him and everything while I'm fighting. And it was just like it was meant to be. But I told him, there's no way you can beat me. And Like I said it like that, I'm looking at you. You are not beating. And I think he believed it in the end. He was like, no, this kid's, I ain't beating him. Do you know what I mean? I almost convinced him. Yeah, but even if he knew about
0: your story though Mm -hmm. and what it took for you to get there, I mean, that would scare anyone. Do you know what I mean? The fact that you've overcome so many knockbacks to get to that point. And if you knew about that, that would be scary. But I, it comes back to self-belief though. That's something that I'm always interested mm. in because I presented this awards recently. Um, this is Manchester awards. Yeah. And my first one doing like a big awards ceremony yeah. and I was in the bathroom before going, I am a world-class presenter. No one is better than me because I had to rev myself up and everything else. And it massively helped before I got in there. But even now you sat in front of me, like the confidence that's oozing from you.
1: Yeah. Have you always been this confident? No, no, no. This is very. This is like, I'd say from the start of last year. I start. I had two fights in the in the preseason. They call it, and they just weren't good performances. And I just couldn't find myself. And then I was like, what's wrong? Like I had the guy really hurt. I just wasn't finishing him. And then I just started. I thought, right. My coach just said to me, look, whatever's going here, on here, it's not physical. It's mental. Whatever it is, we need to do a lot of mind work now. So I got a mind coach. And I started proper working on my mind. And I was like, right. And I proper went away from physical stuff. Because realistically, how much more physical stuff can I do? Not much. But then the the mind coach said to me, well, I say to all these fighters, how much do you think it's mental? How much physical? Everybody says it's more mental than physical. And then he says to him, what are you doing for your mind? And they say nothing. Oh, wow. So I started delving into that. I started delving into that. Tell me, so what kind of work do you put into that? This mind coach, I've got two. Um, but the hypnotherapist, let's start with that. He was just like, right, what's wrong? I said, mate, I'm getting these guys hurt. I'm well better than them, but I'm just not. And he went, right, okay. And he just walked me through this thing, like hypnotized me and said, you're just going to walk through them. You're going to ooze confidence. They're going to be slow. You're going to be fast and talk me through how I'm going to feel in the fight. And it's exactly how I felt in the fight. And then I also have another mind coach and you just day to day stuff. How are you feeling? How's your prep going? How's stuff in your relationships? He'll talk more about that, more specific. So I've got these two guys now. But since I've had them, I'm not just going to say it's just that because it's also massively physical and coming into my prime years of fighting. Well, like that, you
0: said, what more, more else could you do than the, yeah, the physical yeah. side? So it all came
1: together. Mm. And now I just feel like I look at them I think you just can't beat me. So it's a, it's a
0: lot of it's to do with um, like visualisation. People talk about it all the time. And to be fair, I've only really noticed it since I've had my vision board. I put stuff on my vision board. I don't really look at it often, subconsciously look at it, but it's weird how much stuff's like kind of just gravitating mm. into my life because... I'm clear on what I want.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: it's yeah, when, you, yeah. when you're clear on what you want, then it becomes a lot easier to achieve it. And I think some, maybe there's part of you, where over, like you were training and doing a fighting and everything else, whereas maybe you weren't crystal
1: clear on what it is you actually wanted to achieve. No, lad, 100%. You know who you told me about this? Bugs in my lawn. Right. Come round to my mum's house, mate. And I was like, lad, you're doing all the hard stuff. Why are you not envisioning what you actually want? From that day, I put it. I put that as my screensaver on my phone. I had pictures of it all around my house. And I was like, right. And then I started envisioning what I wanted, you know, on top of the hard work. And then all of a sudden, mate, all just started coming. Now I need new ones. And then that's why I felt lost when I did get it. I had like a week or two of just like, what the fuck? So now I had to start making new ones fast though. Yeah. Because you can't procrastinate on where you're going. Do you know what I mean? So now I just started making all new ones and, and they're still a bit unclear. Do you know what I mean? So I'm still in that middle ground now of what's next. But- It's a difficult place to be because I'm going to another level again now Mm. and now I need to start making new goals and then you're like, well, what do you actually want? And there's not much that I do want but then you have to start thinking and stuff because you can't just be... Navigating without direction, sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? So like, you
0: know what? It's weird you mentioned Boogs Malone, because in all his songs he's always talking about I visualized the, the swimming pool with my name in it. Do you know what I mean? All the stuff that he's got, he always talks about it a lot, it's so interesting. But my, my business coach says it all the time. He goes, Scott, what do you want from your business? And mm. this and that. I said, i no, I'm not really that me. I just want to have a good I want to make money and do yeah, have a good yeah. business. I mean, no, 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 you need to be really sure. I'm like, why? But then I get it because when you're aimless, yeah, it's true. It's almost like you can get dragged in different directions. Yeah. It's a little bit like me in my 20s. I I had no aspirations to be anyone or anything. I was just throwing parties. You know what I was like. Mm. Turn up on a Thursday night, throw a party, make some money, on to the next weekend. Mm. I didn't have any plans for the future or who I wanted to be. And I think that's why it was so easy for stuff like drinking and and partying to creep into my life and take over because- Why would I not stay out for for hours on end? Because I've got nothing to do next day. I've got no plans. Whereas now, because I'm so crystal clear on the person I want to become and I want to be this number one male influencer for Mm self-development, I want to be an entrepreneur with successful businesses. I want to be a presenter. I want to be back on TV. I know exactly who I want to be Mm -hmm. now. So therefore, I can eliminate those things in my life that no longer serve me Mm -hmm. and be relentless in pursuing the things that are in line with what I want to achieve for my goals. And I think that's the difference now.
1: And the fact that you just said that, then you put it on your your screensaver or anything else. No, I was certain. When I say certain, I was absolutely like, there was, it was not, I even envisioned it coming on my shoulder and how heavy it was. And I didn't know how heavy it was, but I just was felt it going on my shoulder that night and all that. Like, and the way I planned the fight was going to happen, it exactly happened Mm. the way I seen it going, which is really unusual in a fight because anything can happen in a fight, Mm. especially in a main, get punched, kicked, elbowed, kneed, submitted. There's loads of ways, but it went exactly how he envisioned it. Do you know what mm, I mean? So yeah. I did channel all this energy, the physical energy was one thing. Then when I started hiring mind coaches and hit, hit, like I was just this whole package then. And mm. that's how I feel now. Like this last guy that I just fought is this big name from the UFC. You know, he's beat the UFC champion. And I was like, I said, he's not going to last a round. And he did. He got to the end of the first, barely. But I was like, just made a show of him. Do you know what really? I mean? Just ran through him and everyone was like, you know, like I'm proper making statements now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the confidence, though, you can see it in you. Like, I think I, I even noticed it different this
0: time than when I've seen you previously. Oh, yeah, but um, and it's weird you say that because I, I was playing a paddle game the other day, paddle tennis, We've all been playing it. I noticed I mean, I to play a bet out. Yeah, we've I've seen, seen it on Instagram. It. Instagram. I was and laughing. I'll be honest with you. Did it hurt you? No, it's not that. It's the fact that I knew before turn up because they play with this guy called Lucas Dawson. Right. I'm going to give him a mention on it, and, and he's a cool. really good player, but I, <laughs> but I got a good player with me. But if I'm honest, I already lost before I got there, why because in my head. I was scared of Lucas. So I Because of how good he is. Yeah, I, I, I just knew, I was trying to talk myself out of it. Yeah. But I went, he's going to beat us. And I, and I didn't want it bad enough. I knew it before I went in. It sounds so pathetic, but I knew that I'd lost that game before I went in. And even though I tried to talk myself <laughs> through it, whereas today when I come in and go, I'm going to smash these podcasts today. Like I meant it. I believed it. And do you know what I mean? And, and I know I have. And glad, uh, We're in the process of an like, amazing podcast there as well. But it's almost like you've got to not just say it, but believe it. And it's the same when I went sober for the first time, I I had this um, pebble in my hand. And the reason why I had the pebble in my hand is because I wanted to remember the texture and how it felt when I said it, because I wanted to remember how badly I wanted it and that feeling when I said it. And I've still got a pebble by the the side of my bed now. And it's a constant reminder of that feeling of how badly I wanted it. And I think that's the difference when I said, when people say to me, Scott, how'd you do it? I want to make a lifestyle change. I went, just mean it. Like look yourself in the mirror and actually mean it, not go, yeah I kind of want it I'm I'm just going to do a couple of weeks or I'm going to go no no like you're going to do it this time Life or death so as you may know British Triathlon are sponsoring this podcast and that means on the 29th of July in Sunderland I'm going to be doing my first ever sprint triathlon that's a 750 meter swim a 20k bike ride and a 5k run And it might sound daunting, but trust me, it's achievable. So many of you have already signed up, but I've got a few spaces left and you need to make the most of it. You will get your very own training plan in collaboration with Training Peaks. And that means we've got three solid months to work on this together. So don't miss out and get yourself signed up using my discount code LEARNING25 and the link in my stories or in the episode notes. It seems to me, and I might be wrong though, it seems like you live quite a bit of, you're a bit of a long range in terms of, you're, you're traveling around no, places. Lad. You pop up in Dubai, you're skipping around in Dubai, then you bring to the talent. I know you've got people around you, but like, how much of a support system do you have? Because it feels like you're around the world, like winning titles on your own. I know your boys come out and support you, yeah. but that's actual process, it's not like you're part of a team, like, you know, footballers. It's almost
1: like you're on your own. Am I wrong there? Or? I'm glad you said that because this formula that I've used for success has never been seen before, really. Right. Like all these other fighters, they have a solid network which I do, but not really. Like mm. tomorrow I'm going to on my own. I'm gonna be in a one bed apartment on my own, training all day on my own. I'm wow. like well, Do don't, you don't have a coach then or? I have a coach back yeah. home, Tony yeah. Musso, I've had from day one he flies out to the fights, I see him seven seven to ten days before a fight, yeah. same with Adam. But the actual training, nobody pats me on the back, nobody wakes me up in the morning, nobody stood there with a stopwatch. I'm my own boss. And I take that very seriously. So like I'm up in the morning, I'm at the first session, I'm at the second session, and I am giving it 1000%. Like I'm bleeding, sweating in them sessions. I'm giving it everything. And I've always said to myself, until the day comes where I can't give 100%, that's when I'm going to keep doing it. But right now, it feels like I'm just going levels again. I'm thinking, wait, I'm 34 this year. Like most as athletic endeavors end yeah. by that age. But for me, because I've looked after myself, looked after my body, my brain, no, I don't get hit too much. I've never been knocked out, never been submitted. So like for me now, it's about using this and just riding it until the wheels fall off. That's the plan wow. now, just ride it.
0: Because you've just won and everything else and you, and you basically had a taste of success, so it might be easy to motivate yourself, but it was many years and many years when you literally didn't have the success you wanted, but you were still driving yourself in that way and no, no one's clapping for you. But then like you said, you weren't getting the recognition, but yeah. you were still training to that level. Sometimes I turn up to the gym, right? And I, I want a PT, not because I don't know what to do, but I need motivating mm-hmm. when I get to the gym. And I find it the hardest thing getting to the gym and motivating myself sometimes. But I, and when I do do it, I go, and I feel amazed after going, I, go, I did that no matter what. And sometimes I'm like, it's going to be a shit session this. Yeah, yeah. And then halfway through, I'll go, I of the tiger and I find some weird strength and I'm like, what's going on here? And that's that's addictive in itself. But the fact that you've been so self-motivated, yeah yeah where, if someone's watching this or listening, how do you
1: find motivation? Is it being clear on what you want, basically? I think, um... With been an only child, going back to why I'm on my own a lot, do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't have no brothers and sisters. My mum, she's just content and happy. The house is bought, everything's nicer. So I feel like, right, I'm on my own journey here. Like, I know where I want to go. I know how hard it is to get there, but I'm willing to do it. Mm. A lot of people, how many millionaires do you know that go to bed with hunger pains every night because they're not allowed to eat certain things? And how many do you know that wouldn't be getting carried away by going out now because you're around Manchester and you got the like, no, all I want to do is get away and get ready for the next goal. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing, there's no word that you can put on that, really, is there? Like, mm. what is that inside? you like, mm. you've got it now, just chill. No, 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 I, I'm not even close to chilling. Like, I don't even know what the word chill means. Like, the fact that I'm going to Thailand Monday, I'm buzzing. I'm, the fact that I'm going to be fighting again in eight weeks, I'm buzzing. And until that goes away, like I say, I can't tell you what it is. There's no word for it, <laughs> but it, I love it. Whatever it is, it's drive, it's ambition, it's inside and it fight. the fire burns massively but to try and explain it to people i think you just have to have it i really do i don't know yeah it's weird
0: it's like you're quite similar to me in terms of you're addicted to like progression i'm happiest when i'm progressing Mm. something same and i feel like if i did slow down i can be quite i feel like i'm actually quite a naturally lazy person i feel like do you know what i mean it's almost like i have to keep momentum me otherwise i feel like i could quite easily fall back into bad same lifestyle choices and decisions like you said like if you left quite aimless again, then it's quite easy to be going out. Oh, you, maybe your mate goes, do you want to come out in town on yeah, no, a yeah. Tuesday night, Wednesday night? That's what I used to do all the time. Like literally anyone- you got, go got nothing me, else go, to do. do you, I've got nothing else to do, but I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll go out. I remember. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like by being constantly in motion, that's where I'm happiest because I know I'm progressing. But what about rest and recovery? Like, because surely that's a big part of,
1: well, just touching back on that point that you yeah. said there, I swore to my mum, to my coach, to everybody around me. Cause I worked so hard to get to where I got to that. Once I did get this and that money and all that, I would stop and I would chill out. I would have really? a family and everything that, that was the plan. And then I did try that. I had like a month in December last year where the money was in, I bought a new gaff, you know, spent on a few things. And then I was like, just couldn't find happiness, mate. I thought, nah, I'm only happy when I'm finding the hardest thing in life to physically do is where I find happiness. So me just trying to be a general public citizen and walk around and do normal things, I I felt completely lost and I thought, nah, my purpose is nowhere near fulfilled. My legacy is not fulfilled, so I had to get back on the train. But that was hard because then I had to have the word with my mum and all these people like, man, listen, like, I'm sorry, but I'm nowhere near done. And they're like, for fuck's sake, because it's not football, mate. It's very dangerous what I do, very dangerous. It has Mm -hmm. life altering things that can go wrong in there. People have died in there and it's very serious and why would you want to do that when you've got money? Why would you want to still put yourself through that? But again, that's just something that's inside me clearly because I don't have to do it now. To get to that, I did have to do it because I wanted to be financially secure and be a world champion. Mm. But once you tick them boxes, you're like, what are you doing it for now? And I... I'm just, I've got this word in my head, legacy, legacy, legacy. And that's the word that I talk to my mind coach about now. Legacy. Yeah, it's weird you say that though, because Umar, you know, from PLT.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's the same because he got his money Yeah. and now he's talking about legacy. And it's almost like you've got to find something because like, it might you got to find anything. you got to like, find something. To so keep and going. It's, that, <laughs> it's so funny because he said the same thing. I went, what are you chasing for now? It's legacy now, mate. Because he's obviously, I'm like, I, I get what you mean, but it's almost like you're giving yourself think, which I get, but it's again, it's about that that forward motion and you just touched on something then about the danger of the sport right yeah. so I'm in a gym sometimes and we've had in waterfield and everything else and he'll send me a picture of something that you've just done in training like mm-hmm. your little finger will be like hanging off and you're like you've got a fight in a few days it's a seriously dangerous sport that you're doing talk to me about how dangerous it is have you any, had any close calls
1: or been a witness of any close calls you know I've had loads I broke my arm here broke my arm in the middle of a fight and actually carried on in the fight with a broken arm I'm one <laughs> with an arm what? hanging off Yeah, yeah, I've got metal in there. That was in Germany. So you broke
0: your arm? Did a spinning
1: back fist, broke it on the guy's head in round one. You can watch this on YouTube. The arm was hanging off like that. I was jabbing him with the other hand and head kicked him and knocked him out. Yeah, yeah, that was was a (laughs) mad one. Yeah, that was a mad one. Wow. I've tore my MCL in my knees. I've had surgeries, broke my hand in a fight. First round, carried on, won the fight. So like, when you talk about drive, mate, like I can break stuff and still carry on. I can go through the pain of, having bones broken because the pain of losing is that dear to me. I just don't like losing. I'm the most competitive. If I'm walking next to you in the street, I want to beat you in that. Like, even though we're not racing, we are in my head. And I think <laughs> think that's another thing that really spurs me on. I look across the cage and think, you think you can beat me up? <laughs> and I literally take that in there as well. So that's another element what I
0: really, yeah. really... It's interesting, Mama, because we're not going to get the answer today of what it is. But I listened to a podcast with Gordon Ramsay recently, and he said there's something really powerful about pushing your body or your abilities to breaking point. Yeah. And even if you fail at breaking point, there's something exhilarating about pushing yourself to that point. And I don't know if I have that same thing. Like I've got it with like business and, and chasing certain goals, but I don't I don't see the, like I don't get a buzz off going running marathons or anything like that. Well, I'm, I'm doing a sprint triathlon because I'm coming out of my comfort yeah, zone for yeah. the first time. But even the fact that I'm doing a sprint triathlon is me going in at a certain level to then try and get the taste for yeah. it. And that's why I love the fact that I'm taking this challenge on because it's definitely something new. even people see me training all the time. Yeah, yeah. But I only train to look good and feel good. I don't train to push myself to the limits. And yeah, that's yeah. what British triathlon is like representing for me. It's giving yeah, me yeah. that first time to go and do something that's out of my comfort zone. Like, I love it. But, but then my big brother said, you're going to get addicted. Once you do something like this and you push your body to a certain level, like you get addicted. And I feel,
1: it sounds like that's what you're addicted to now. Well, When you want to talk about levels of discipline for eight weeks, right? I'll be stuck in a room on my own. I'll get three meals dropped at my door every morning. I've got to eat them. I've got to train six to seven hours a day. I've got to be in bed by 10 o'clock, sleep eight to nine hours. My diet's got to be on point. You know them chocolate bars or you want to go for a drink. You make this absolutely none of that. Do you know what I mean? It's a next level of discipline. It's yoga, it's sleep, it's nutrition, it's daylight, it's supplements. And you know how you feel as a human being when you do that and you religiously do it and you don't cut it at all. That's why when I look across at them, I say, what, I've not cut one corner, mate, you can't do anything to me. Because I know all these other fighters are, not, even no sex, nothing. Like that's the level that I go to. I just put myself in the most disciplined state that you physically can imagine to the point where other fighters are like, wow, this guy's insane. Like I stand out amongst other champions because even like they're like, these kid's in the gym all day still. You know that, what
0: I mean? But that feeling, of when you are optimised, when your body's optimised to another level, I bet you feel like Superman, don't you? You walk
1: down the road and you've got a glow. You really, even now, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, just, yeah. I just know what I'm doing. I know that on Monday I'm off to there and I'm excited about it because I like getting to like, when I turn up to fight week and I've done the eight weeks and it's all done and then I'm just chilling now, waiting for the fight. What a feeling that is, knowing that you've cut no corners and that you've been highly disciplined for this long. At the end of the day, I've seen a saying and I really do believe it, discipline equals freedom. And it's true because I'm not attached to anything. Do you know what I mean? Because I discipline myself that much. I don't need, you know, to eat a chocolate cake. I don't. Need, I know I don't need it because I've just done it for eight weeks. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the feeling that I like. Yeah, and do you know what? I, I just did a video about this recently saying that like
0: self-discipline is a form of self-love. Yeah. Because if you can discipline, like basically discipline's got so many negative connotations around it, when in actual fact, if you can say no to the things that no longer serve like you. That you love. Oh yeah, yeah. And, but you and, love them, but, but you, you don't him, do it. But for, for long-term gratification. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a difference, do you know yeah, what I mean? Agreed. So for example, like I could say, someone say to me, Scott, let's go on a bender tonight, yeah, yeah. right? And I, there's part of me that would still love to go out <laughs> in town tonight on a mad one. But I know deep down that that's not going to serve my bigger purpose, my wider goal to become this person that I want to become. Exactly. So it's almost like having a discipline to say no now, it might be a little bit difficult, but in the long term, that feeling when I'm on stage one day, I can see myself on stage, talking to thousands of people, motivating people, that's the feeling where you go, those little moments matter and mount up to the big moments. So I think sometimes discipline, it's got such a a negative connotation when in actual fact, it can lead to
1: so many good things. Well, listen, me and you are the same person. I'd love to just go to the pub now with you and just go mad. But it doesn't serve the longer goal. It yeah. doesn't serve getting another one of them. That's mm. for sure. It yeah. doesn't serve, like, my legacy, does it? So, as much as I want to do it, I'm back in Manchester. I've not been here since November last mm. year. you imagine what I want to do? Mm. And everyone's ringing me, let's catch up. I'm just like, nah. And that's why I get off as soon as I can. Because I'm like, I don't want to be pulled from pillar to post. Like, even, like, if I go for a scran here, do this and do that, nah, it still doesn't serve where I'm going. But then I saw um,
0: George from Represent, the clothing brand. He put on a, a tweet that really resonated with me. And... He said, the real friends are the ones who just understand that you're on a mission. Mm, mm. They don't hold, it, hold you ransom when you don't reply to a message or um, you don't call them back. The real friends are the ones who just basically, when you do see them, it's like no time has passed and yeah. they understand that you're on a mission. I resonate with that. But then if I sit down with a lot of my family or a girl that, I, that I've been seeing, like they would definitely argue going, that's not a way of life. Selfish. Yeah. You're selfish. But in actual fact, I am on a mission and I'm starting to say that. And it gave me a little bit of um, relief hearing him say that because I felt like I'm not alone, but he does feel like I'm
1: on a mission sometimes. It gets lonely. Yeah, it does get lonely. It gets really lonely because you're not a general member of society anymore. You can't just nip the pub with your mate and, well, you can, but then you feel like you're letting yourself down, don't you? So like, for me, it gets extreme. Everyone we know, our whole circle's doing the same thing, aren't they? They're out every weekend. Slowly turning around now. You mentioned all the names there that are turning it around. So yeah. people are starting to wake up a little bit more now. But from where we come from and general British society, we are standouts.
0: But but imagine, right? I said, ima- the reason why alcohol is still part of t- like today's mm. society and, and, and culture is because if you removed alcohol now and everybody felt like how we feel on a day-to-day basis, everybody would be like just reaching between what is... In a way, I'm not trying to get all like, what's it called? political, (laughs) but sometimes it feels like a way of controlling the masses, like keeping people where they are. Do you know what I mean? Because I know what, how I felt when I feel now, when I feel sober, I feel unstoppable. And if everybody got a glimpse of that, then I don't know, there
1: might be a a bit of a, an overhaul in society. I don't know. Well, it's good for me because I get both, like I was telling you before, I fought last weekend and I get seven day grace period where my coach says, right, off you go. Mm. And I just went absolutely mental. I went from Vegas to LA to Miami. Scrammed it in anyway. I got it in. <laughs> then by Monday, I'm like, ah, head's done in. And I'm like, right, back to the gym now. But I've had my blowout now. Yeah. I'm not going to get another one for three months. But, but just out of interest, because
0: you live such, um like a, a clean cut, like disciplined life, are those lows after that kind of bender, are they not horrific? They're not that bad. Are they not? Because
1: I know I'm going back to training. Oh, that's good though.
0: Because that's one thing I noticed that once, after I went sober for yeah, a yeah. long period of time, every time I drank after that, the lows were like, it was like,
1: I couldn't deal with it. Don't them. get me wrong, it was pretty low. Yeah. But, but I've been lower. <laughs> you, forgot I've been, him, yeah. you forgot how low you felt, out. Because yeah. you know why? I'm still high from the fight and high from what I've been achieving. So I proper let my hair down and like all my bender mates, like I went with him, do you know what I mean? And I was with him and yeah. I was embracing him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, right lads, I'll see in three months and I'm off again. Yeah. And I, it's nice that you can take it and leave it like that. Yeah. You know I mean, Not a lot of people can.
0: Nah, I get it. But in terms of what, what's next for you, because I've seen, I don't know, loads about the fighting industry and everything else. I've seen some stuff where people have been tweeting, um, Joe Rogan, asking them like, why is he not calling you up to a different division or something like that? What's that all about there? Is it two
1: different divisions? Is it UFC? Yeah, so UFC is uh, the premier organization. I fought there before. PFL is second and I fight for the PFL and they've made me the poster boy and they pay me a lot of money to fight now. Like. If I was going to the UFC, I'd probably make a quarter of what I'm making. So for me now, at 33, I'm looking to build that pot. So I'm like, you know, it is the premier organization. There is better level competition there, but for me now, I'm just like, I'm getting the recognition I deserve. I'm on a world stage. Everybody's watching my fights. Everybody knows who I am. I'm on ESPN and Channel Four and all that. How big, much bigger do you want to get? I'm like, I'm happy with the audience that I've got, and I'm happy with the pay that I'm getting. I love the owners. I love the whole thing. It's my 11th fight for PFL now. We've grown together. And I feel loyal. I feel yeah. loyal with
0: them now. From what I saw, it was like almost like people saying, why didn't you give him a chance before or something? Like, you should have been recognised by them earlier or something. Pretty
1: much, yeah. Like, they turned the nose up a little bit. Like, four years ago, I went to a reality show. I looked really good on the show. Didn't get the opportunity I deserved, but that was just another door shut. And then the PFL door opened. Yeah. And that's when I took that door and ran with it. And now they're coming back, like, sort of like, well, you know... I'm like, I'm good. I'm happy. Love that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just like, yeah. One door shut and the other opened and I ran through it with, you know, under a mile an hour and yeah. I'm still here now. So what is next for you then? Like, because I'm in a bit of a position now
0: where People kind of expect me to want to settle down and, and maybe build a family and everything else. And you, you just mentioned it then, because we get to that age of... I'm not funny, ready though. When, are you, when you get to 33 though, I, that seems the point where people are on your case. And, no, um, and on I'd, my case yeah, though. And I don't feel like fully ready. I love the idea of it and I definitely want it at some point, but I don't feel ready. What is next for you in terms
1: of like career and then obviously personal life? I feel like me and you are similar in that, that we've got goals and the goals mean that much to us that girls come and go mm. and they have done for a long time now, like fair plays to a girl if she could put up with me and me relentlessly chasing my goal, which I'm doing. I've had loads just fall off over the years because I don't blame them. I'm very selfish mm. because I'm going for greatness. And if I'm going for greatness, I'm sorry, nothing else is going to veer me away from this track. And it's it's nearly a few times, don't get me wrong. I've loads of times i thought about throw the towel in, have kids, settle down, get a gaff in Wilmsville and just chill, but not yet. Not yet. I'm really not ready yet. I'd love the comfortability of doing that, but I'm just not ready because right now there's another one of them on the line. There's legacy on the line and right now that takes the forefront. Oh, I love that. You know what? I'm going to end the podcast on, on that
0: that quote you just said then because there's a film called Blood Diamond. Right? Love it. And when the guy... He, he, um... No, no, sorry. It's not even Blood Diamond. Quote. It's the same act from Blood Diamond. It's Gladiator. When he buries the thing and he goes, looks up, he goes, not yet. You Gladiator when he goes, not yet. And You're the it's same like, as me. We're not ready. Exactly. Not yet, but it will all come. Yeah, exactly. But, um, honestly, Brendan, mate, this podcast, we've got the belt live in the studio. Like it's been everything I thought it was. And you know what? You've taught me so much, mate, like just about the importance of mindset as well. And I think, like you said, but, like, the biggest life lesson from this is a lot of people put all that time and energy into like sometimes the physical health and mm-hmm. sign up to a gym in January and everything else. When for me, one of the biggest things that people can do to in order to reach their potential is have self-awareness. And for me, self-awareness comes through therapy and working on your mind and putting that that time in. Um, So I think that's been such a valuable lesson amongst loads of other things, Mm. but well done, mate. I'm so proud of you. The fact that you have not give up. Mm. You are a shiny star for Manchester now, born and bred, and you're putting us on the map. So I just want to say thank you, man, and and, uh, keep going, bro. Bye, guy. guy.
1: Appreciate it. Nice one, brother. I
0: can't believe I got to hold a world title belt in my hands, right? That's the first time I've ever done anything like that. And it felt special. So I can't even imagine how Brendan feels. The fact that after all these years and all that work, he's achieved something so huge. And it makes you think as well, the fact that he's won a million pound cash and he says, that's not what motivates him. It's more than that. It really is thought provoking. And I'm just so grateful to have had him in the studio today. And I hope you've learned so many life lessons from him because I know I did. So thank you so much for always supporting, following and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. It really does make a difference. So thank you again and please get ready next week for another incredible guest with Learning As I Go.